Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Previously on Gresh and Fourier. Apparently people were lining up outside of 4 a.m. I mean, do you know who those people are? Those are the same people back when Black Friday was like a thing. And like midnight marked the start of like all the sales and the shopping sprees for Christmas. People would camp out at Best Buy and Target and all these other yeah. stores. They will be making chicken tomorrow. They will be making it tomorrow. They will have In-N-Out oh, yeah. the next day. This is Gresh and Fourier. Pasternak to Marshawn. Pasternak scores! DeBrusque to Pasternak! He scores! Coyle to Pasternak! Patrick! We're trending the right way. You know, they, they, you have peaks and valleys, and obviously we started really well, and we had a big valley there in December, and I think... Slowly but surely, we've gotten results here since Christmas, but I think the last three games might be the best three consecutive games we've had all year, even including the start. Andy Gresh. And we'll continue to work really, really hard uh, to, to put together as competitive a team as we can in 24. I would also just add that at this point, it doesn't make a ton of sense to, to sacrifice future wins in, in favor of the shorter term outlook. Christian Fourier. Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, has a second interview scheduled with the Atlanta Falcons. He met once over the course of the past week with owner Arthur Blank. There's some interest here from both sides face-to-face -face once again this coming weekend as things ramp up for the former Patriots coach. Gresh and Fourier right now. Yes. Give me some more of those drugs you gave me yesterday. On WEEI. Well, well, well. Bill O'Brien, I guess we hardly knew you. Well, we did, but we didn't get to see you very much. Oh, the winds of change are blowing in Foxborough. The Bruins went out and got themselves a nice win last night. Uh, I know that you and I, Foyer, as we uh, get this Friday edition of Gresham Foyer going, good morning to all the Twitchers. Hello, Texters, everybody listening on the Odyssey app. And, of course, you can uh, watch us, uh, Double Dose of Handsome, do this show on YouTube. Just type in WEI on YouTube, click on the live stream, or you can go to uh, twitch.tv slash Boston WEI. Uh, I'm glad the rumor has already been killed relative to the Bruins because you and I were so entrenched in football and other stuff yesterday that there was like this thing floating around that, oh, Patrice Bergeron might come back. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, Patrice yeah. Bergeron might come back. And in a game where uh, David Pasternak gets the hat trick, Jake DeBrusque nets a goal. <laughs> Billy, had, that was the toughest pick of the parlay. He's the one who nailed it for crying out loud. I know. I, I, I was watching that, and it, there were so many uh, so many times where he almost had it, and then to finally get it was kind of like, okay, I hope we uh, the rest of us carry our weight, which we didn't. Which we didn't, and we'll get to that in the parlay coming up at uh, 1145. But Bruins end up getting a win, and uh, it was Patrice Bergeron who uh, sent a text to Steve Conroy of the Herald basically saying, I am not, and the not was in capital letters, 
coming back. And uh, I admit that one blew right by me like a fastball yesterday. Uh, and I'm glad we didn't really spend a lot of time on it because it does kind of sound silly that a, what, near 40-year-old man is going to wake up midway through the year and be like, yeah, that hockey is still in me. Patrice, to me, seems like the kind of guy who makes the decision and they had their last dance last year and it didn't work and he thought about it. Uh, and the Bruins get another win 5-2, to two, but you, know, you type in Bruins on Twitter and a lot of stuff that pops up is all this debunking this rumor that was out there about I know, Bergeron. But, but just honestly, though, like, uh, and, and maybe this is just the cheap way of getting a ring. Like, how cool would it be if they just kind of, you know, put them on the staff and some sort of advisory role, right? Like during the playoffs. So he does get. Um, I mean, I mean in, again, I said, what maybe are you it's in, a cheap what are you way. in Gerard Mayo collaboration mode now? Let's just bring him in to collaborate. No, like, let me just, like, you know, let's listen. It's because we can't just give him a ring because he wouldn't accept it. So let's bring him in on, on as part of our staff and, like, He'll be like, uh, I don't know, an analyst of some kind. And if we do win it, you know, we can give him a ring. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, there's I don't a, they, what's wrong with that? Wouldn't you want that guy? Like Matthew Slayer would be the same type of guy. <laughs> they can, I was just going to say, you can find a reason to give a guy a ring once you win. You know, oh, he's the assistant to the car washer yeah. outside. All right, there you go, kid. Like you know? when the Red Sox get a ring, everybody gets one. Like Wiggy has a World Series Red Sox ring because he worked at Nesson. That's unbelievable. I mean, what are we doing? You know what's funny is I know we have Celtics Nuggets tonight. And yeah. I was like yesterday afternoon, I was thinking, oh, do we need a Nuggets guest? Do we need somebody? Their radio analyst, Scott Hastings, who won a championship with the Pistons, right? He has two Super Bowl rings because he was the radio analyst of the Denver Broncos in the years that they went back to back in the late 90s. So Hastings is like a, a wiggy. He's a guy who won a championship, well, and then he got two in another yeah. sport, and then got one because he does Nuggets radio, I think, and got that championship. See, but ring I, as well. I get that aspect of it. Like you, uh, you call the games, you're there every day, and then they, you know, they kind of they give you a ring for your support. <laughs> yeah, but that's like uh, Kevin McHale being the color analyst for the Patriots during the early years. You know what I mean? Like it's just weird to hear a, a guy in the NBA who's. It's just like it's weird to be like. Wait, Wiggy, what did you do for the Red Sox? What? Well, absolutely, like, absolutely nothing for the Red weird. Sox. He was just on Nesson <sighs> commenting about the Patriots. And they were so giddy they won. They were like, here, you get one too. You you get a ring. I wonder if it's the like the downgraded Fugazi diamonds, though. I like, you're not using real diamonds for the people on oh, the outside, outside, no, 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 outside. No, no, no. You're not using real stuff, right? And, and I think the Patriots sort of, uh, what, I, I, if I remember correctly, because I, because I, Brian Morey did radio for a while. And if I remember correctly, talking to Morey and some of those guys, I bet your heart might have one too. Because he was on the on the Patriots football weekly roster. I think like the very first year they were kind of like all real. And then you're right. Then the players got stuff, and everybody else started to get the you know. Fugazi, whatever, you know, rings that they yeah. give those people. Wife and, wants a pendant. Dad yeah, wants, right, a, uh, right. you know, something. Mom wants them. Then you want to memorialize the event. And then you realize, guys, we're going to keep going to this stupid thing and winning. Okay, well, I'm done. I'm cutting everybody off. Nobody gets anything. Yeah, I think, uh, listen, the more you're going to keep Patrice Bergeron, uh, Patrice Bergeron around, uh, that's a good thing. And the Bruins keep winning again, five two against a uh, you know against a, a Colorado team that, as we know, 
uh, can uh, be a little frisky, to say the least. Actually, they're pretty damn good. That was a good win last night, and uh, I thought, quite honestly, the Bruins, it was the whole came out hot and jumped up 3-1, but the third period... To me, is is what told the story. Bruins did a great job in the third. We will talk to Andrew Raycroft about that more coming up at eleven twenty-five here with Gretchen Fourier. I did mention that uh, in town tonight, it could be an NBA Finals preview. Dun, 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 Can't dun, wait. Dun, 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 dun. How about, was it like you know back when it used to be on NBC and you would hear that intro like that really kind of used to mean something. There, there are it certain just, ones that yeah. I, I, you know what you know what other one gets me. Because I always wanted to do like a, a national game of the week on CBS where you hear their sort of college yeah. football. And then you're like, oh, yeah. You know, it's like the sound of. It's just like Monday Night Football. When you hear. You know, it's Monday Night Football now. So, again, that whole audible part of training us like a bunch of dogs. Yeah. And that's tonight. And that's an ESPN game. So I'm not really sure what the intro music will be. I don't care because. it doesn't matter. Here's what matters. The Celtics have a clean injury sheet tonight. Yep. There's no resting. There's none of this. Porzingis is going to be okay. And to me, Christian, I know we're going to get into it a little bit later, but just quickly, this is the team that Brad Stevens built the Celtics for, in my opinion. To have your version of a unicorn like Kristaps Porzingis. He's not Jokic. I'm not saying that. I get it. However... You understand the reference of the, they're different, they're unicorns. And this is also a game where Drew Holiday has been a good soldier through all of this. When they needed him, he scored. When they needed more out of him, he's been there to give it. But you and I have talked about the sacrifice for certain guys like that. Tonight, to me, is a night where a guy like Drew Holiday makes all the difference in the world. Because you start going one through five through the lineups, and that's where you realize it's like, oh, damn, this guy can pump in 20 at any point when he wants to. Yeah, I know. And I tonight's see, one of those it nights. Is, it is one of those things where I see his his impact is when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. It's creating a turnover with, you know, like, what did they, who did they beat? Like, when they were down, I forgot who it was. Oh, crap, it was a while ago. Um, massive, uh, massive impact. Without the ball in his hands, that's what he does. Creates turnovers, uh, you know, uh, creates extra opportunities, uh, kills possessions. Uh, just he just he's such a smart basketball player, and he literally feel like you know he is just all in on the whole concept of team, right? Because if anyone has suffered, like who is opportunities, he's made suffered, the most sacrifice. He's made the most, and their big word with them is all sacrifice, sacrifice, yeah. sacrifice, and and they're doing everything right. They're saying everything like it literally once everybody got their money and everybody is content mm-hmm. and they're not like trying to become an all-star because it it, 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 it like helps them with a contract or being all pro, whatever it is. None of them need that anymore. They can easily just focus on winning a championship. And there are some people out there in terms of the poor Zingus end of things. And while you and I are pumping up holiday, there's a real good matchup here for poor Zingus. It looks like his number tonight in terms of points is 17 and a half. And there are people who are like, yep, get that up. That's got to go over. And there's a lot of metrics in terms of, you know, more shots at home versus on the road and things like that. I'm just excited to see what would be the heavyweight fight between these two teams. And there's no way that coach Michael Malone of the Nuggets, who's a hardo, you know, call me Michael, my name's not Mike, you know, one of those guys, 
there's no way he's not going to have his team ready to go. And this is the game of the night in the NBA. You can argue maybe it's the game of the night in sports tonight uh, with this heavyweight. I, 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 I truly cannot wait to see this matchup. And there's the uh, Joe Mazzulla factor in all of this as well. Just in, is this going to be one of those games where it's more playoff-like in terms of uh, you know, this isn't going to be one of those nights where Jason Tatum's going to play like 32, you know what I mean? Or 35 minutes or something like that. Like, this is a 40, 45 minute night, I think, for the big guys and the starters. And maybe you got to take care of poor Zingas a little bit. But on the whole, to me, I want I, I want this treated like a playoff game. Like, we again, with all due respect to the guys done a nice job, I don't need to see a lot of Sam Hauser tonight. I don't necessarily need to see a lot of Peyton Pritchard tonight. The the injury sheet is clean. I know the seven you should be picking from. Those are the people I'd like to see on the whole. Yeah, I, I think you'll still see Hauser, but the minutes will be limited. We're talking maybe under ten minutes. You probably won't say won't see Peyton Pritchard at all, which is fine. Cornette's not going to be in there um, at all. Uh, yeah, and I do think like this is one of those situations where undoubtedly it'll feel like a playoff game. The fans will be going nuts. The team, I think, obviously. And I wonder how important like the whole winning streak is to him, you know, and the, how, the being undefeated at, at the, home. I heard Greg mention uh, earlier today on the uh, award-winning Greg Hill show. What award? Well, you can figure that one out. But uh, in all seriousness, he was like, "Hey, they. I think they put the bet up on Fanduel. Will the Celtics go undefeated at home this year?" Which, I mean, my God. The, the fact that they're 20 and 0 right now is rather amazing, let alone to get to you know, 41 and 0 at home. Like that number just sounds impossible. Yeah. Or made up. I believe the Spurs have the record at 39. Which is Jesus. Well, what were the 86 Celtics at? Uh, hang on. I thought they were at 40. Uh, I no, because you only play, you only play, you play 41. The Spurs have the record at 39. I think that Celtics team was like 27. Oh, okay. I'm uh. looking, uh, <laughs> Type in 86 Celtics and uh, everything doesn't uh, quite pop up. Here we go. Hang on. They were. You know what? You might be right. Oh, my God. Was that right? So the 85-86 Celtics finished with the best record in the league, 67-15, and including a 40-1 and record at home. 40-1. How about this, though? They were 37-1 and at the Boston Garden and 3-0 and at the Hartford Civic Center. Just trying to get some new fans to go play in Hartford. I mean, they used to bring like preseason games to Providence, and I think they whacked those out. So, uh, yeah, the fact that they were playing three games at the Hartford Civic Center, good grief. Uh, you know, you were filling the garden, for God's sakes. We got a lot to get to at 617-779-7937. Twitchers are all fired up today. It is a Friday. Uh, we're going to mix in uh, some Celtics and Bruins today. Again, Andrew Raycroft will be with us at 1125. We got you a parlay as well. We will talk about the four playoff games coming up this weekend. Big deal, no big deal imagination land come to life. <laughs> it really is. Uh, Dan Shaughnessy talked to Bill Parcells, and uh, we'll also take a walk back in time, but not to 2003. We'll tell you all about that in the uh, 1 o'clock hour. Bill O'Brien is gone. Bill Belichick might be in Atlanta. And Gerard Mayo is interviewing some defensive coordinator candidates. And, boy, I can't wait to get your thoughts on this, Fourier, because uh, – it, it, these were true one-sheet resumes that were sent to Gerard Mayo or Robin Glazer or whomever is handling this because 
Some of these dudes don't have a ton of experience, but we will get to it. Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. You can watch the show anytime via our live stream on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI. And check out WEEI on YouTube for our video on demand content updated daily. Now, more of Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. All I remember is this song in the movie Head of State. You've seen it with Bernie Mac and, uh, and Chris Rock, where Chris Rock goes from an alderman to being the president. And they, they have a joke, uh, and again, it's just, they're like, they do the, and Bernie Mac and Chris Rock are so smart. They did the whole, and a black man's going to be the president of the United States, and they played this song and all the people running out of their houses to go run and vote, <laughs> which is really funny at the time. <laughs> and then Obama wins, and then, like, Chris Rock's like, wow, hey, look at that, man. We made that movie already. Like, it already, we spoke Way it into it. existence. It was a very, very funny movie, and anytime you can get some uh, Bernie Mac in there, that is not a bad thing. I'm sure those gentlemen have taken a tour to Atlanta. Bill Belichick will. We will get to that. But, uh, well, Fourier, uh, Bill O'Brien is in and out. And I can uh, definitively say, you and I, remember the uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon with the Gas House Gang where they're parading around the bases and stuff? And he's standing there with the thing, and it was one, two, three, strikes, you're out. <laughs> one, two, three, strikes, you're out. One, two, three, strikes, you're out. That was you and I with our evaluation of Bill O'Brien because we thought it was going to be a fix, and okay. instead it went the other way. I, I would like to kind of uh, approach the bench on this, okay. if you would. Okay. I, am, I am very interested to uh, hear you try to moonwalk your way out of this one because we were sharing a brain on no. the impact Bill O'Brien could have. No, I would like to assume uh, that, and I've said this to you, I'm trying to figure out at what point in time did Bill O'Brien say to himself, boy, they do, they sure did sell me a bill of goods. They sure did overestimate. They left so much out. Like, why didn't I read the fine print? I think he rolled in and, uh, you know, he Bill probably told him, like, there's a good nucleus, good foundation. Uh, I really messed up Mac, but he's pretty good. And you know who he is anyways, right? Because you were at Alabama. Real smart, bright kid. Not the strongest arm, but whatever. Like, he can anticipate, and and it seems like the guys trust him. Well, the receivers um, never panned out. The offensive line was in flux all along. Adrian Clem was supposed to come fix it. I mean, if you're going to put Bill O'Brien in that mix, you should put Adrian Clem in there. Oh, I definitely think so, but we were... I feel like if I was the, grading him, it would be... No, but the trust we really had was in O'Brien. 
I mean, even when they hired Adrian Clem, because remember he got that uh, OC interview, and we were like, what? He gets an OC interview, and clearly they were priming the pump to be able to hire him for another position. And we liked it, but not like the Bill O'Brien hire. Like, I, I think there was some real trust in Bill O'Brien. He's a tenured play caller. He knows what he's doing. And then you're right. I think there is the context of everything in that there probably wouldn't have been very many offensive play callers who would have been able to at least get the team to the point to where if they make a couple of plays or don't fumble or drop a ball or throw an interception, that maybe it kind of got a chance to still hang around in some of these. And instead, the whole thing just cratered inside itself. And now he's going to be in Columbus. Think about this. So uh, uh, he doesn't get to hire his own staff. He inherits a staff. He has to teach them the offense. They need to get to know him. Uh, you have uh, massive issues with your quarterback, massive issues with your receivers, massive issues with your offensive line. It's a different set of guys every single day. You can't trust anybody. And this is part of the problem I feel like. I said that I go, well, listen, if I'm grading him, I'm going, undecided. I'm going like, you know, undecided. Like, or uh, I'm, not, I'm giving you a pass. Well, he gets an I. It's an incomplete. I'm giving him an incomplete because yeah. holy crap. Uh, and, and his reputation um, – no, his reputation preceded him as a good offensive play caller. Again, whatever happened here didn't ruin his reputation. I mean, you still got you turn around and get the Ohio State offensive coordinator job. Okay, so he'll have a top five offense in college football, no doubt. easily. And I don't no even think question. he's had a top ten offense, or I don't know. I can't remember like his, the offenses that he ran. It wasn't like he had a great quarterback either because he got Deshaun Watson late. Um, but he had a bunch of just a mixed bag of like, uh, you know, just, you know, runarounds and, you know, island of misfit quarterbacks. Like there were nobody worth to speak of, but it is, I think that's just, all of this is just, you can understand why Kraft was like, I've seen enough. Mm -hmm. I, I do. I feel like, so you, and I do think that he was going to make a difference, but I look at like what he was given. He's probably like, I can't make anything with this. Yeah, but you know what, though? But we thought he could do something with think it, about, and think even about with what, the think assistance. About, think about what, like, Mac Jones turned in. He's a coach killer. You could argue Mac Jones got Bill Belichick fired, absolutely, absolutely. and I'm the biggest Mac guy going, but you could definitely make the argument that if he makes five throws, arguably – or guys catch it or whatever. Yeah. Or either way, however you want to look at it, there's him, there are the drops, there's all that. But a lot of people could say point A, point B if they want to. Yeah, I look at it as I look at it as like an incomplete because I don't think whatever you whatever you thought the worst case scenario was for Mac and how he would literally sabotage and torpedo this offense by just being mentally weak, incompetent, moody. I don't know, irritable. The throw in it's, Germany is the one that did there's it. There's so, but there's so many of them. There's more than that. I just look at it. I'm like, this guy shouldn't be be starting in high school. Well, you know what it is. There was a lot of the context along the way, as you mentioned, O line issues, wide receivers dropping stuff, people that weren't weren't available. His own issues. His own issues. There was a lot going on, but. He went. He went backwards. No question. Nobody. And, no. There wasn't an offensive coordinator in the history of the world that could have saved that offense. I, That's what I, I would, look at. No, it. I would agree. And nobody. So Bill O'Brien goes to Ohio State. Are you surprised he got this good a job? Because I know a lot of Patriot fans who live in the snapshot world are just like, "I ah, sucks. Let him go. 
Joe lobstering on a boat, you know? Yeah, but, with John uh, Farrell. Yeah, exactly. But this guy's not an idiot, and clearly, with everything that's going on at Ohio State right now, apparently Ryan Day wants to take the play calling off of his uh, off his plate, I guess. Hmm. So, I don't know what's going on we'll there. We'll see how that goes but, I if mean, they lose to Minnesota. But if I say to you, what are, you know, the, the five best – either jobs or OC jobs in college football, Ohio State is right in that top five. Sure. Ohio State, LSU, uh, Florida State, Alabama USC, still, yeah. Al- I mean, oh, everybody's leaving Alabama, which is crazy. Well, that is. That Kalen DeBoer, good everybody, luck. Yeah, everybody's you know what? leaving there. And maybe by the end of the show, we'll hear from another country in terms of just how rough things have been down in Tuscaloosa coming up. Yeah. So as far as uh, Bill O'Brien, yeah, I did think – it would be just a massive upgrade, but I did not ever foresee Mac Jones and that offense just being completely just inept. Just it's even worse than that. It you was know like, what it is? how do you call a play? So you call the play. Sorry about this, no, but even but- even with Philadelphia's Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Eagles' defense is getting a lot of heat. Yeah, right? that's, that's it, funny. That's where I was going on the whole. The, since Matt Patricia came in, it's been a downward spiral. But even though I'm watching the playoff game, but I'm watching their games, and I'm like, okay, well, he called he called the right defense. Everybody is in the right position, but nobody can tackle. They all turn it down. They give up on. So it's more of a personal personnel issue as opposed to like a schematic issue. Matt Patricia put them in the right defense. They just weren't willing to kind of devote the time and energy to make the plays. Like, they just didn't care. Mm-hmm. And I think there's an aspect of this with the offense. And you telling me, that, like, hey, I'm going to have Mac Jones. I got to recreate him. I got to fix him. And, oh, by the way, as soon as he just melts in front of a million people, I got to play Bailey Zappi? Yeah, and it was and it was evident. I I, I think what kind of offense am I running? I think Bill O'Brien had some faith in Mac Jones. It was evident from the very beginning that Bill O'Brien wanted nothing to do with Bailey Zappi. Hence the guy getting cut at the end of camp. Yeah, and and that's kind of my point. So hey, you know, were we wrong on Bill O'Brien? Well, technically, yes. But I would say I would like to see you know uh, all the fine print. And if you were to give Bill O'Brien some truth serum. My guess is that he feels like he got screwed in this whole thing Mm -hmm. and that it was never going to work. And, you know, Bill, he was doing Bill a solid, uh, you know, left Alabama, all that stuff. And and then now you're stuck with like this as an outcome. I mean, listen, if I'm Gerard Mayo, I literally get rid of everyone. I hire a whole new staff. Everybody is new. I don't care if you played here. I don't care if you have a connection. I want it clean, cleansed. I don't want anybody there from last year. Mm. Yeah, that this is this is all going swimmingly. It's your so team. Far. It's your team. Build your team the way you want it built with the people you want to help you build it. Well, I did a, a deep dive on some coaching connections last night, and I was trying to think of okay, if they've already decided they like Jaden Daniels, I watched a little thing on uh, Tankathon, actually. If you go to tankathon.com slash NFL, you can click not only on teams, but they have their big board. You can click on players, and there's like a thing of, of you know, the season for this past year. And it's a lot of Jaden Daniels running around. I would say watch that first. For those who are uninitiated with Jaden Daniels, get a look and just sort of go from there. But there's one highlight in there where they're like, oh, booty with the catch. And I'm like, ah. 
start to put the dots together, and it's like, oh, okay, maybe someone in personnel who's been watching LSU for a while sees Jaden Daniels' year. Maybe they start to fall in love with him or something like that. But their offensive coordinator at LSU, no pro experience, just took the OC job in Notre Dame, going back home. So, because I'm thinking, all right, they're going to make the oh, ro- Tommy Reese. They'll make the rookie mistake of, yeah, Tommy Reese is out yeah. and this guy's in from okay. LSU. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, oh, yeah, they'll do the dumb Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, let's match him up. And in three years, it'll stink and all that. And how about the whole, uh, so Caleb Williams, Cliff Kingsbury, friend of the show, P1, listens all the time. Uh, so the Chicago Bears, uh, the Chicago Bears, because they're going to draft Caleb Williams and probably trade Justin Fields, want to hire Cliff Kingsbury, who was the uh, quarterback's coach for USC. And so that way there's an instant like chemistry with the coach who is obviously a head coach. Cliff was a head coach, right? You dealt with Kyler Murray, similar players. Well, head coach in the college and the pros. So he's a guy who's done it at least. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, listen, hey, listen, uh, because it seems like Caleb Williams is going to be a problem. Uh, Yeah, I kind of think so. It's going to be a problem. Hey, listen, if I'm Matt Eberflus in Chicago, I'm like, yeah, you're going to bring in a guy who was a head coach. And make him the offensive coordinator under me to placate this guy who's going to run. They'll, they're they're going to get Antonio pierced. They'll get bumped. Ibrafus will get bumped out of that job in it's a like year. A new version of Wally Pip. All it takes is one good offensive <laughs> yeah. year in a season where you go nine and eight or eight and nine, and they're like, "Ah, the head coach is the yeah. problem. Keep these yeah. guys." No, and then like so the, the the ownership realizes that well, the bond between Cliff Kingsbury and Caleb was is so strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's really the foundation of our entire organization. So we got to keep the well. Let's just do that. So there is literally going to be a coup. Oh, there will be. Oh, yeah, it'll yeah. be a storm. So Cliff the- Kingsbury, listen, we should see if we can get that on the board. Storm the castle moment. Yeah. Yep. Yep. How, how, when can we get, when will Cliff Kingsbury be announced as, one, the interim coach, and then the full-time coach? Oh, it's coming. I'm with you on that, especially if Caleb Williams is as uh, fussy as he seems to be and- or want to sort of wield some kind of power behind the scenes. Hey, I want to get to these uh, D.C. Uh, choices okay. here. Or these interviews. So uh, we find out today that Gerard Mayo will be interviewing Saints linebackers coach Michael Hodges uh, and Denver defensive backs coach Christian Parker. Now, the scary thing about both these guys is that there is not a lot of experience. This guy, Michael Hodges, played at Texas A&M. He was a strength and conditioning assistant, grad uh, assistant at Fresno State, Two years, or actually three years at Eastern Illinois, and in one of those years, he was a co-defensive coordinator at the FCS level. I know it was a big deal for Cole Strange, so it'll be a big deal for fans, I'm sure, that this guy was only a D coordinator at the FCS level, Christian. And then a bunch of years with the uh, Saints as a defensive assistant, assistant linebackers coach, and then linebackers coach. From what I found, there's no real link here, uh, but with Christian Parker... He is a 32-year-old uh, defensive backs coach with the Broncos. has been there since 2021. And other than coaching at Virginia State and Norfolk State, that was Christian Parker's first role as a position coach. It was in the NFL for a couple of years with the Broncos over what looks like uh, two coaches. Now, Christian Parker's connection, you know where he played football in college? Uh, Tennessee? Nope. University of Richmond. Guess who else played at the University of Richmond? That would be Gerard Mayo's brother, Uh, who is entrenched in the weight room. So uh, this guy, Christian Parker, 
uh, redshirted in 2009. And I know that Gerard's brother has connections to Richmond because he played there. He might have been on that national championship team or something like that or or national semifinal team or whatever. So maybe now we're starting to be like, okay, here's a – Look for the Richmond connections in part because of Mayo's brother, not because of Mayo. So Christian Parker is 32 years old. Yep. Uh, Michael Hodges is 37 Correct. years old. Hodges and played then, at Texas A&M. And uh, Gerard Mayo is 37? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm seeing this young, young, green, inexperienced coaching staff where they're all going to say, let's learn together. Oh, boy. Right? I mean, because not saying that a young guy can't, like, have an impact, but, man, it doesn't make you feel really good about, like, how things are going to go. You know, like, and if you have a young defensive coordinator, aren't you, are you teaching him your defense or is is he teaching you his defense? Like, because even for, um, for Christian Parker, he was a defensive backs coach. Uh, Vance Joseph was the uh, was uh, the obviously the defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And those, you remember how badly the Denver Broncos defense was? I mean, Miami oh. put like seventy plus points on them, but then they figured it out and they kind of were being real, actually pretty good. And then it's just too little, too late because that was the reason why Denver was like back in the mix because their defense started playing again. And uh, I guess like Parker had a lot to do with you know adapting and changing and working with Vance Joseph. So. I don't know. A 32-year-old with not a lot of experience. It's uh, Here's the thing. With Sean McVay, like when McVay got elevated at such a young age, what did they do? They insulated him on the other side of the ball with Wade Phillips. They had adults who had been there, who had done that, who would be able to not only help guide McVay early in his career, but really take a lot of that stuff off his plate and allow him to sort of settle in. Well, why wouldn't it just be the reverse then? So, right. So, 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 if you, if, so, so are they going to go young on defense? And then are we going to have a real vested yep. offensive coordinator come in here? You better. Or is it going to be you better. Neophyte City? No, you better. I think you you need his attention is gonna is going to have to be on the defensive side of the ball. God forbid. Like Brandon Staley was a uh, the the former head coach of the uh, the Chargers was a defensive coach, but his defenses sucked. Right, they weren't any good. So at least I mean, and then and you had this, and he you know the offense was running by, by uh, Kellen Moore, uh, they brand new offensive coordinator, right? And he so his emphasis was on the defense, yet they didn't make a difference. So Gerard Mayo bringing in a young coach because I'm assuming Gerard Mayo doesn't want to learn a new defense. This is the, would, the same yeah. defense that he is. They had last year was a defense he was taught. It's Bill's defense. Well, and I also don't want two really young guys with not a ton of experience to come in and look at Gerard, who played it at this level and has coached it pretty well the past couple of years, to walk in and be like, yeah, yeah, let's blend our concepts together. Yeah, I don't know about that. So, so with that being said, there's oh man, you're you're talking. That's how you get seventy points. That's how somebody because you're blending concepts and you bl- and you're not expert at it yet, so you're learning on the fly. So you play a team like Kansas City, Buffalo, you play Philly, uh, Houston, and next thing you know, they're taking advantage of you blending your concepts. Mm. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, those are today's interviews. Uh, we will get to uh, Bill Belichick coming up, but. Celtics Denver 
It's a big one tonight. And is Jordan Walsh representative of what won't happen at the trade deadline? You need to remind people who Jordan Walsh is. I don't think anyone knows who he is. We'll do that next. <laughs> no matter where you work from these days, take Gresh and Fourier with you on the Odyssey app. Favorite WEI. Christian Fourier, how dare you? How dare you? Assume that Celtic fans need to be updated on who Jordan Walsh is. <laughs> well, I know he, uh, you know, he got in that game against San Antonio, you know, and everybody was hoping that he would, uh, yeah, you know, dude, get a shot. And they were like going crazy. Pop? Yeah, it was like when Hulk Hogan yeah. came out for, yeah. you know, I am a real American. You hear everybody go nuts. That was like a Hulk Hogan pop yeah. for Jordan Walsh the other night. But uh, Jordan Walsh, of course, the uh, Celtic second rounder who was uh, stashed in Maine for the first part of the year. And now, again, a lot of people looked at Jordan Walsh and was like, okay, it, 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 this got to be value brand Grant Williams, right? We're sick of Grant Williams' mouth. He ends up going to Dallas. And can, you know, a, a guy like Walsh come in and fill that role? The reason I bring this up is because there's now starting to be talk of the NBA trade deadline. And there are some teams where the owners are like, what's the tax bill again? Now, for somebody like Steve Ballmer, please. A billion dollars falls out of his ass and it turns into an arena that they're building in L.A. You know what I mean? But right now, according to Spot Track, the estimated tax bill right now for the Celtics is uh, almost $40 million in tax. So there's a $6.5 million exception left over from Grant Williams. We're getting into this whole game yeah. again of the how do we make all this money work and stuff like that. I really think that Jordan Walsh is kind of like, yeah, it's sort of like a trade deadline acquisition. You were just stashing the guy away, and he's really cheap. So what makes tonight even more interesting is – we see this group of Celtics against a defending world championship team, and it's like, okay, is this the night where we look at this team and go, nope, they've got enough, they've just got to stay the course, or does Brad Stevens have to go out there and be a magician once again and find a way to invent some money and give away a pick or whatever to add a little bit more depth to this group? And I think tonight starts to maybe crystallize the sense of urgency that Brad Stevens might need to work with. So um, I'm, I'm a no on Jordan Walsh. He won't even sniff the court at any point in time in any game of any importance whatsoever. He's 19 years old. And he was barely playing in in the G League up in Maine, and it's not like he's not even close to not being, true. He was averaging sixteen. I saw it. 16 I know, points but and the, you know you, what? A seven or eight rebounds. Actually, I think it was maybe more like six rebounds a game or whatever. If you go to his, uh, if you go to his uh, basketball reference page, yeah, because like raise your hand if you've uh, watched any uh, G League games. Anybody? Oh, nobody's watching. No one's nobody's, watching G no. League. I, I eight games. But he can still follow it. I mean, eight games. Yeah, he's played in eight games. So I'm pointing. There's, there's. He's got eight games under his belt. Um, I don't think anyone remotely feels like he's going to be some sort of like a key component to a championship run. Not even close. Not even close. In a garbage time against a crappy team like San Antonio, where you have like a thirty point lead. Yeah, go ahead. And I would and I would actually add this. I think it would be a slap in the face to the eighth, ninth, and tenth person on your bench uh 
if you brought in a guy like Jordan Walsh and said, yeah, go ahead and take his minutes. He doesn't deserve them. He hasn't earned them. And he, quite frankly, he's not ready. Can you imagine this guy playing defense during the playoffs? I, I mean, but that's why they bring him up now. It's 40 games to be able to see what level at which uh, he might be able to help you. And to me, that's the only way he ends up contributing is he's a guy who gets out there and gives you some junkyard dog defense in a moment where maybe you need it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think what Joe Mazzula has done is pretty much determine what the class structure should be. All right, so do you think, though, that Stevens has got to be on the hunt to add more talent to this group? Because I think there are some teams that are sort of landing. Like, there are teams that are out there making moves, but the championship sort of level teams haven't kind of jumped into the conversation. I would yet. say, you tell me if you agree with this, I don't think he's hunting for players like they used to. I, oh, I would agree with that. I don't think it's something he come, falls on his lap, it's somebody he needs to do a favor for somebody. And the other aspect about Jordan Walsh is, I think, which is important, he's 19 years old. Getting him in the building, having him be around these guys at such a young age, mm-hmm. like trying to, like, you know, develop him mentally and physically and like what the expectations could be, you know, and what a championship team should look like. Hey, let's make sure he knows what it should look like at a young age at 19. So by the time he's 24, he's like, yo, man, I know what to do. You know, follow me. Well, that was Grant Williams, wasn't it? It was a process yeah. where Grant Williams ultimately earned his way, earned more minutes, earned more shots, earned a big contract. Yeah, he's a ways away from that. But like having it, dude, can't, dude can't even buy a beer. And he's not like talented like Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum was when they were, you know, 19 and 20. Christian, I'm not turning this guy into an effing you, all-star. You he's a goddamn he, depth you, piece. That's you, it. And I said, piece. he's a yeah. bench piece. I said, yeah, but but bench, when you're like, but when you're bench. looking to like fill out sort of back end of the roster, either seven, eight, nine, or somebody that can be specialized. That's the thing. This guy, if he can prove in the next 40 games that he's got the ability to lock someone up or be a pain in the ass, to me, that's where you can, you have enough okay, offense do now. Do you think if this guy can prove he can lock someone do up? Do you think, if he can, okay, do you think he can? Yes. I think defensively oh, he a, is I'm an NBA no. guy. I'm I do. A, I'm a and, and that was Who's the, minutes? Who's and that minutes was the knock on him coming out. I don't know if it's so well, it's gonna be matchup dependent. And it also depends on if you're playing a small forward and somebody's getting hot and you think this guy can do the old Marcus Smart and, and you know, uh become a pest. That's all I'm talking about. And again, I mention it because if there isn't going to be a trade. This is the guy that you're adding to the mix. Because I don't know, maybe you're horny to see more O'Shea Brissett or more Luke Cornett or whatever. I at least want to see this kid get into the mix to see what he can do because I know what those guys kind of can't. I'm not turning him into like a top five player in the NBA. Very, Jesus, you're like I'm sitting here going, yeah, you got to sit Jason Tatum down to get this guy in. Oh, wait, wait a second. Man, oh, man. I, I answered your question. You're very edgy this morning. Well, no, what it's is your the whole like, you're, you're like, who's your drum? I answered your like, question. He's you a bench piece. You put it in there. I answered your question, and I think you're on drugs. All right, then. You also did at one point proclaim, and I quote, Bailey Zappi will never play a down of football in New England ever again. So we've been wrong a lot. Maybe I'll t- maybe I'll take the L I on this one. Bet I would have put You're my bet, house. Yeah, oh, yeah. I would have. I would felt the four so amazed by that. <laughs> uh, Zappi's oh. not going to play another down in the rest of his life. <laughs>
Uh, $10 Shake wants us to calm down for crying out loud. Oh, man. Uh, and uh, the news at WEEI.com on the latest Greg Hill Roadshow. Check that out. They're all going to turn into snow bunnies, including our guy, Wiggy. I know Fourier's fired up to talk about this. Oh, the Red Sox. Are they are they skating backwards or moonwalking or just running away from comments? We'll get to that next.